Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Wednesday, August the 29th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, one of my favorite annual traditions, I break out the research and give you all of my final 2018 offensive projections for the Miami Dolphins. And these numbers are based heavily in research And I'll admit, a dash of optimism as well. Also, we get you caught up on the latest around camp and read a couple of listener reviews. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, wherever you get your podcast from. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter, at NFL. The show is at LockedOnFins. And of course, LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog. In the Locked On Network, we have plenty of pieces up live on the site right now, including the written piece for the stat predictions up on LockedOnDolphins.com, as well as Jason Harina's final camp update and the 10 bold predictions from Andrew Mitchell. Check out all of that stuff and the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. we got some injuries to catch up on. Let's go ahead and bring in the Mad Dog. And as always, Jim Mandich, the Mad Dog, leads us into our news and notes from practice. And as always, they do include a couple of injury notes. And the big news from Tuesday's practice, which was actually the final practice open to the media, so you can put a bow on training camp on the preseason, all that stuff, even though we do have one more game tomorrow. But Ted Larson was the big news as he went down with what is being described as a lower leg injury. But fortunately, the Dolphins came out after the fact and stated they don't believe this injury is that serious, which would keep the offensive line depth intact for now which is great news because the Dolphins have to have this offensive line playing much better than it has in the past. And given the regular rigors of an NFL season, in-game injuries or between the week, whatever it is, guys do get hurt. They do go down. And at some point this year, Ted Larson is going to have to play. So good news that he is there and ready to go, hopefully in time for week two, week three, maybe beyond that. Because week one, you hope everyone's healthy, ready to go. Other notes, Jakeem Grant did not practice. He is still recovering from that suspected concussion on Saturday night. Devontae Parker also still down. And Leontae Carew comes back as he prepares for the biggest game of his life on Thursday. Although at this point, it might not matter anymore. Another case of too little, too late. But as has been the case all August, and we'll knock on wood, the Dolphins remain relatively intact for their opening day starting roster. And with that, let's go ahead and get right into the podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And the first item on the agenda today doesn't even include the Miami Dolphins. I guess it does, but in a roundabout way, it has to do with the Tennessee Titans, as they are just now 11 days away from kicking off the season in Miami at Hard Rock Stadium. And on Tuesday, the Titans acquired former Ravens second-round draft pick linebacker, and I'm going to butcher this name, Kamalai Correa, I believe is the correct way to say that. He was having an absolutely tremendous preseason so far, so it's kind of strange that Baltimore took just a sixth-round pick for him, but to me, this signals one bigger issue for the Tennessee Titans going into that first game. Brian Arakpo and Derek Morgan did not play in the third preseason game. They have not practiced in over a week, and Harold Landry rolled his ankle on Saturday, so his status remains up in the air, and even if he comes back, a bum ankle and a pass rush doesn't really go well together. 
And those three guys are literally the Titans' three best pass rushers. And even if they are all active on game day, how will they handle the heat and the tempo of the Miami Dolphins' offense when they haven't practiced to be conditioned for a game like that or any game, let alone a game in South Florida. So it sounds to me like Tannehill could have a clean pocket in that opener, and we all know how surgical he can be when that is the case. And speaking of Ryan Tannehill, before we get into the statistics predictions that I cannot wait to get into, I broke down some plays on Twitter yesterday, five to be exact, and it got me thinking about a variety of topics. And the play starts with a misdirection under flat to Albert Wilson. And the under flat is when the player comes across the formation underneath the line of scrimmage and runs to the flat. That's what Albert Wilson did on this play. It was a misdirection zone read handoff or fake handoff, I should say, to Kenyon Drake going left, Albert Wilson coming right. And my idea was that that they had him run to the flat, but once the season comes around, they could use Jakeem Grant on a fly sweep motion to get that defense going even further to the opposite side and then go back inside on the shovel pass to Albert Wilson. And it's just a very good example of what Adam Gaze means when he talks big picture, because I promise you, absolutely promise you, you will see wrinkles off of that play come the actual season. You put it on tape, you show a team what you can do, and you build on it from there. That's what all the great coaches, all the great innovators do, and exactly what Adam Gaze is doing with that. The next play, I don't know, this is probably going way too nitpicky, but it's a fade pattern to Mike Kosicki in the corner of the end zone. He gets that Y-ISO look, has himself separated on the boundary part of the formation against a cornerback, and it's a slow get-off. The snap comes to Tannehill's hands. Everybody else is making their initial move, their initial step, and he's still standing there peering in down the line of scrimmage, and he finally gets going after about a, you know, a beat. It's a very small beat. You can notice it if you slow it down. But I just want him to stop thinking and go out there and play football because once he does that, it's going to be fun to watch. The ceiling is very, very high on that kid. And then we're going to go to the touchdown pass, the famed touchdown pass, the one they had to have that would make their season or break their season if it didn't happen. And it was a four route read for Ryan Tannehill and people are asking me on Twitter how do I know if that's what the read was I'm just I'm just looking at it and giving you my opinion based on what I see from the route concept and the reads from the quarterback you can see his helmet kind of skipping from guy to guy and it's a very simple process where he goes and looks for the the wheel route to Kenyon Drake out of the backfield the Ravens are all over that he wants the seam to Mike Kosicki working inside the field next that play is completely wrapped up and covered as well and then he comes back to a double underneath cross where Kenny Stills comes from the play side and Danny Amendola comes from the backside and they cross right under the safety and Tannehill's read is that safety and if you watch they all converge to the wrong direction and Kenny Stills has an open path to the end zone if Tannehill would just anticipate it he doesn't he makes throw to Amendola and fortunately for Tannehill Amendola broke two tackles and scored a touchdown so you know it's it's nitpicking again but I like I said these are the kind of things you want to get ironed out in the preseason and you have it on tape you can show him hey this is a better read right here let's think about that next time work off that safety work on your anticipation and it's there's just always something to work on for a quarterback so that's something I wanted to point out something he could work on and improve in his game and speaking of improvements in his game one area that I've talked about a lot this offseason was working through traffic or getting the footwork in the right way to get through pocket pressure and the Ravens are one of the best teams in the league at overloading pressure showing different looks and different pressure packages and they overloaded the left side they show seven guys in the box ready to put pressure on the quarterback one guy bails the nickel cornerback comes in and you see Jesse Davis and AJ Derby both chasing their guys into the backfield 
Tannehill steps up, slides through the pocket, re-navigates his shoulder to square up to his target, and gets the pass off in time. And it was just very nice to see him deal with a crowded pocket, get out of pressure, get the ball out of his hands, and get a completion for a 7 or 8 yard game to Jakeem Grant on the one where he did get hurt. But it's good to see him play in that way against the Baltimore Ravens defense. And these are the things that he has struggled with in his career. Obviously, Dean Pease no longer in Baltimore, now in Tennessee. But also Rex Ryan defenses going back to 2012, 2013, 2014, and 2015 have always given him issues with those types of pressures and confusing him. So I'm glad to see he definitely looks like he has improved in that area again. And it just makes me more confident that he is going to have that career year I've been talking about all summer and spring long. All right, and while we're on the subject of stat predictions, I've been looking forward to this next segment for a while. But before we do that, I should talk about the book that allows me and you as well to put our money where our mouths are. I am talking, of course, about mybookie.ag, and as football season gets right around the corner for us here, I have to take on all these questions all the time about who is going to win the games, and my honest answer every time is it's not about who you bet on, it's about who you bet through, and that's why I always tell people to bet with mybookie. Trust me, guys, they are the best bet you will make this entire season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is very easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me, and that's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, and this next segment coming up on the podcast, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each and every game. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And do not forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim that bonus. You play, you win, you get paid with MyBookie.ag. All right, guys, I have been looking forward to this segment all week on the podcast. Been thinking about it, drawing it up on my notepad on the article, which is up on LockedOnDolphins.com right now. Check it out. My reasoning for all of this stuff that I'm going about to talk to you guys about in regards to how the Dolphins offense will perform in 2018. And it's based very, very much so in research and data using Adam Gaze's past ratios, these players' catch percentages, average yards per catch, and just using what we know from the past to apply it to the future and this new compilation of Miami Dolphins football team. And just going back over Adam Gaze's run-pass ratios since he has been a play caller in 2013, entering his sixth year playing calling plays in the NFL He has never been overly dependent on the pass. At least he wasn't until last season when he ran 6.2% more passing plays than the average offense. But you go back to 2016, he was actually 4.4% less than the league average as far as passing the football. And he was negative 5.6% under the league average in passing the ball in 2015 with the Bears. He was under again in 2014 with Peyton Manning and that lethal Broncos offense you go back to 2013 was the last time except for last year that he had more passes than the league average at 1.3 percent more 
than league average. So he wants to run the ball. He wants to mix it up. He wants to get the hand, the ball into the hands of his playmakers, whether it's a running back or a receiver. And you look at the way the distributions of targets had been over the last couple of years. Last season, wide receivers got 67.6% of the targets. Tight ends got 15.4% and the running backs got 17%. And those numbers are pretty much the same in 2016, a slight variation. But I'm going to go ahead and change that around a little bit because I think they're going to involve the tight ends and the running backs more simply because he likes the personnel he has at those positions more than he has in the past. We know that Mike Kosicki is better than Julius Thomas or Jordan Cameron. We know that Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore, and Kalen Balazs can all catch the ball out of the backfield. So I changed it up a little bit. I took the receiver targets down about 5% to 62% total. Tight ends will get 18% and running backs will get 20% of the targets. Once again, Kenyon Drake factoring in very, very heavily to that. Let's go ahead and start with the running backs. As far as rushing the football goes, I have the Dolphins running 1,050 plays. The league average is right around 1,000 every year. I think up-tempo means more rushing attempts, more shots at it for Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore, and the like. I think we're going to see both Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant get some carries. I even have Sonoris Perry on this list. So I have 473 carries for 1,934 yards at 4.1 yards a clip and 12 rushing touchdowns. The 4.1 yards per rush would be right around 16th or 17th in the league last season. The 1,934 yards would be ninth best in terms of total rushing yardage, but I'm doing that because of the extra plays. So the volume stats are there. The average is just kind of mediocre. But Kenyon Drake is the one carrying us through with 253 rush attempts, 1,113 yards. That's 4.4 yards per rush. And I gave him eight rushing touchdowns because he's a big play threat waiting to happen. We all know that. I don't have any really other gaudy rushing touchdown totals. Frank Gore with two. I gave Jakeem Grant one and Albert Wilson both one. I expect they'll pop a long run at some point. But I have Frank Gore with 368 rushes on 115 carries. That's 3.2 yards a carry. And then it drops off big time to Kalen Balazs with 57 carries, 228 yards at four yards a pop. Tannehill with his 30 rushes, 122 yards, 4.1 yards a carry. And then you have eight carries for Wilson, five yards for Grant, or five carries for Grant, and five carries for Sonoris Perry. But let's go ahead and look at these pass catching numbers. Let's start with the running backs once again. I have Kenyon Drake hauling in 43 passes. He's catching 72.9% of his 59 targets for 309 yards and two touchdowns there. So Kenyon Drake ends the season for me with right around 1,400 total yards and 10 touchdowns. A very good fantasy prospect if you so if you are so inclined to go that direction. Frank Gore and Kalen Balazs both pitch in. But as far as receivers go, I have the highest targets going to Kenny Stills, then Danny Amendola, then Albert Wilson, then Jakeem Grant, then Devontae Parker. It goes 93 to Stills, 88 to Amendola, 77 to Wilson, 64 to Grant, and 36 to Parker. So it's very well spread out among those top four guys. I have them all in the same yardage totals, at least as far as the area goes. Kenny Stills, 804. Danny Amendola, 616. Albert Wilson, 669, and Jakeem Grant at 646. As far as touchdown catches go, Kenny Stills gets seven. Amandola and Wilson both have three apiece. Jakeem Grant finds four. He's, a like I said, a big play threat. Screen passes, deep balls. He's going to score some touchdowns. And then Mike Kosicki, your tight end. 72 targets for Mike Kosicki. Just 48 catches, a 66% completion percentage to him. 475 yards. That's 9.9 yards per catch and six touchdowns for Mike Gesicki. You heard it here first, six touchdowns for him, seven touchdowns for Kenny Stills, 
eight touchdowns for Kenyon Drake, 10 in total. And this offense will be flying with the ball distribution, a high completion percentage, a decent yards per attempt average. But let's go ahead and bring up the one topic everybody probably wants to hear me talk about. Of course, the quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. What will his stats be this season? Again, going off of the screen-based offense, the short rhythm passing offense, that completion percentage is going to continue to go way up. The yards per attempt average is going to come down from when it was in 2016. He was at 7.6 that year. I have him at 7.3 this year. I have him at 69.3% completion, completing 400 out of 577 passes for 4,212 yards. He will throw a touchdown on 5.03% of his passes and an interception on 2.08. So his total numbers there, 29 touchdowns, 12 picks, 4,212 yards, and 69.3 completion percentage. That gives him a passer rating of 98.4. So those are your totals for you guys. Go ahead and chew me up on Twitter. I've already seen plenty of comments on it on the website telling people or people telling me that I'm crazy, need to be institutionalized, all the fun stuff you hear from the people on Twitter, the kind people on Twitter. And this offense would score... Right around 24 and a half points per game would be the 10th best total in 2017 as far as the points per game average is concerned. So my thoughts throughout the entire offseason haven't really wavered much in terms of what the offense will be. Now, as far as the defense goes, I have some concerns that remain, but I'm going to talk about those on the other side of the podcast here. Locked on Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked on Fins. All right, you've had a minute to cool down after the stat predictions. Tell me what you think on Twitter, at Wingful NFL. Tell me how crazy I am. Tell me how right I am. Whatever you want to do, however you want to call it, please do so. But as far as the defense goes, I have 24.5 points per game for the offense. Would be 10th best in the NFL. As defense goes, I'm right around 21, 22 points per game. 21 points per game would be the 15th best scoring defense in the league. 22 points per game will be the 17th best scoring defense in the league as far as 2017 is concerned. So that's why I have the Dolphins right above the league average in terms of, or right around league average in terms of defense and well above it on offense. And that's why I've been so bullish on this team all offseason. And that has not changed. I'm not going to change it now. I'm going to stick with that confidence in the offense and the quarterback being built around what he does best and Adam Gaze getting things right and getting things the way he likes them for this season. So 24 and a half points on offense, 21 points on defense. That should be good enough to get Miami back to the playoffs where they were in 2016 when they had the healthy roster and everything was all gravy for this team. As for the future of this podcast, we have a busy week coming up for you guys. Tomorrow, I am going to preview the NFL records. Every team, I'll give you probably a sentence or two. I'm not going to make it too lengthy and talk about the 53-man roster on Friday after cutdown day, after the final preseason game as we get closer and closer to week one and meaningful games. And the next week also, I'm going to go game by game, give you the breakdowns and predict the Dolphins 2018 record, doing it game by game that way. Looking forward to that podcast. And before I get out of here for this podcast, I wanted to read some of the reviews that I came across today because I haven't checked it in a while, but you guys have been pumping out the reviews and I really, really appreciate that. So I want to read a couple of those. This one comes from Lane Fenner. It says, the message is titled, Finally, what a pleasure to find a Dolphins podcast that didn't sound like a talk radio broadcast made on poor equipment in somebody's uncle's garage. Thank you for the info. Professionally done. The effort really shows. 
Thank you for that, Lane. Next one is, comes from Second Grade Teach 84. Love the show. Five stars. Twitter should send you a thank you letter because people, myself, make accounts just to follow you and your show. I shared some photos of my Dolphins classroom and I appreciate your response. I randomly found your show this summer and told my wife that I finally found someone who sees Tannehill and Parker in the same light that I do. So positive on Tannehill, negative on Parker. Thank you for all you do. Really appreciate that, man. And that classroom was fantastic looking. But get some more updated equipment in there. You have all the old logos. I'm assuming you're not a new logo guy, but you should get some updated stuff in there. Just a word of the wise. And the last one here comes from Duval Gary, titled Keep Shining Bro. I'm an over 30-year Finns fan that has actually been right twice over the last 37 years with my preseason prediction of the Finns going to the Super Bowl. Didn't get the winning part right, though. Been reading your stuff since Perfectville. Shout out to Sam and Chris out there. Keep up the awesomeness. Wishing you continued growth and success. Congrats on your approaching scholastic achievement. And thank you for the tremendous insight. Very much appreciated to go ahead and say those things. Not about the podcast, but personally as well. That means a lot. So thank you very much for that. Next one comes from one of the greatest names of all time. Tommy the Choo Choo Train. I wish Travis was advising the Dolphins brass. If I owned the Dolphins, I'd hire a group of passionate fans, advisors like Travis who do their homework. His knowledge of football puts the local media to shame. Well, Tommy, the choo-choo train, I really appreciate that. Next one comes from ISH752000. Very good. This podcast is strong because it is daily, and the host puts in some serious time, and he clearly has thought him taught himself a lot about the game. The con for me is the host badmouths other media people, and while it might be true, it just comes off as middle school to me. Overall, it's an essential for an out-of-town Dolphins fan. I, I agree. I probably go a little bit too hard on that, but it's just, I like to make the point because there's so many negative opinions that are not based in fact, and I probably go a little too far on the other side of it there. So I'll try to lighten up for you guys on that a little bit. This next one comes from Jaybird with the Finns. Honest reporting, love it, no agenda, just what is going on with Miami, and the daily updates are great. And then this last one is a new fan, Haitian Dolphin 1804. Not a big rock and roll fan, but I love the music intro. I am pleased with this podcast. Really appreciate that, man. That's really good that you're uh, into the music. Coheed and Cambria, one of the best bands to ever, ever do it. This next one comes from P-Y-A-R Burr. Pay your burr. Best Dolphins News Podcast. The host is excellent and has a bright future. I'm so happy I found this podcast and look for new episodes every day. And most of the time there is one. Well, there is one every single day from Monday through Friday going on about six months now. So you guys always have this podcast on your iTunes available every single day, Monday through Friday. And the last one here comes from Dan Adams. One, solid information and team coverage. They give you more facts and tips to better know the Dolphins and football in general. Keep up the great work. We are certainly going to do that here on the podcast. And I told you guys off the top how much I appreciate these reviews because, you know, this fan base that I've conjured up in the time that I've done this has just been the best I could possibly ask for. You simply cannot know how much those kind words mean in this very, very cutthroat industry. So please keep writing those in, giving us the five-star reviews, and help us continue to make this the best Dolphins podcast in existence. And as for the podcast, that is going to do it for me today, guys. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Leave us that rating and that review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on our daily Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Wednesday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.